From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA. This is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And my guest for this edition is Mr. Aaron Donlan, a co-sponsored seminarian who is uh, spending this year working here in the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center. Aaron, welcome. Hey, thank you, Taylor. Great to be here. And uh, so you're uh, you're in seminary and uh, hoping to become a U.S. Navy chaplain. That's correct. And uh, aspirations uh, to do not only serve the Navy but also the Coast Guard and the Marines, because that's one of the unique perks of being a Navy chaplain. So uh, you get to serve three branches, really: Marines, Coast Guard, Navy. Uh, but there's a huge need for. Uh, your services in the Navy. Right now, we're down to about 39 U.S. Navy chaplains for all of the Navy and the Coast Guard and the Marines. That's a, well, your uh, uh, vocation is certainly welcome. And so let's back up a little bit. Uh, to where are you from? Uh, how did you come to discover your vocation? And how in the world did you decide you wanted to be not only a priest, but a U.S. Navy chaplain? <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm originally, so I was actually born in Camp Springs, Maryland. Uh, um, so my my family background, I am come from a huge Navy family. Uh, both my grandfathers were captains in the Navy. One was an active duty submarine officer for 30, 33, 35 years. Um, and then my other grandfather, he was a Marine in the Korean War, and then he ended up becoming a... Uh, psychiatrist and and then he served his time as a reservist in uh, Milwaukee Wisconsin and so um, and then my dad so my grandfather who was the submarine officer he was a Naval Academy grad of 49 and then my uh, my dad was a Naval Academy grad of 1974 Wow so you really do have a long history of, of military service and particularly service to the Navy. Yeah, exactly. So I, I like to say I've got like salt water in the veins and I bleed blue and gold. So, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and so basically, uh, um, so I I was born near the end of my dad's career. Um, so he, when he was stationed at the Pentagon, I was born down in the D.C. area. And then um, when he retired two years later, we moved up to Maine. He, he was a... Uh, um, he just actually just retired from teaching high school ROTC um, this past summer. And uh, so pretty much I've been in Maine. Um, I'm from Saco, Maine, which is just south of Portland. So I've pretty much, I'm everything, everything but a native Maina, as they would say up in Maine. So A native Maina. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> is, is, is your hometown anywhere near Kennebunkport? It's, uh, between, it's actually between Portland and Kennebunkport. I see. And uh, did your grandfather uh, know Jimmy Carter from the U.S. Naval Academy? They were uh, roughly about the same time, right? Yeah, they were about the same time. Um, actually, uh, my my dad was telling me stories. He so when he was growing up, because they were because they were I, I I believe President Carter was also a submarine officer as well. And so they like uh, my grandfather was an East Coast um, submarine officer. And uh, so my dad was telling me stories about how he would, he was mowing the lawns of like uh, President Carter when he was an officer in the Navy and stuff. So, so he, he's, my dad had talked about him. Also, some of the Navy uh, chaplain legends, such as like uh, Father Laboon, 
uh, Jack Laboon and uh, Cardinal O'Connor. Um, so my my dad my grandfather was very good friends with uh, Father Laboon because Father Laboon was a class of I believe forty two or forty four. Um, so they certainly crossed paths and and because my my especially on my dad's side of the family was very Catholic very very old Irish Catholic family so um, so there was a my dad would always tell me stories about some of these priest characters and stuff and, uh, and it's just amazing. Really, that's interesting. So that's uh, sparked your interest in the chaplaincy, I'm sure, or did it? Yeah. So, um, so when I was growing up, so like it was even though my dad had retired from the navy, he still wore a uniform because he was teaching high school ROTC, and so like there was always that attraction to the military. Like I'd heard stories from my grand, uh, my grandfather who was the marine um, in Korea. And then, of course, my dad and my grandfather, who went to the academy, there was always that desire to follow in those footsteps to become a Navy officer. And I think, so, because uh, a lot of people have asked me which came first, like the call to the priesthood or the call to military service. And so, but about as far back as I can remember, there was certainly the call to the military life. Um, but it wasn't, it was, it was around the time when I received my first communion when I was seven um, where I started feeling that call to the priesthood. Like I remember one of the gifts that I got, um, when I received my first communion, uh, so I also have a twin brother, um, but he, we received a, like a mass, a mass play set. So like vestments and all that stuff. And so I remember, I remember playing priest growing up. And so that always seemed to be in the background um, because as soon as I received my first communion, I started serving at my local parish, um, and I was really mentored by my childhood pastor, and uh, he would always, because I was, I would serve almost every weekend, and so he would always, when a guest priest was coming over or whatever, he would be like, he would introduce my twin brother and I, he'd be like, oh, these are going to be the twin priests of our diocese, and I was like, that's after I'm a Marine, <laughs> and uh, and he's like, no, 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 you want to be a priest first, and so... Uh, um, but yeah, so there was always, I think there was, there's always been a, like a, there was always something in the back burner that was like, I think you're called to be a priest. Like, and oh, go ahead. Is your twin brother in the, uh, service or is he, he in the seminary? He, he's, uh, he's in the service. He's actually, uh, married. He's a, uh, surface warfare officer stationed in Florida. Isn't that interesting? Well, you know, the uh, it seems to be a common thing among priests. Uh, a lot of them played priest when they were kids. I'll confess, I did too, even though I didn't end up being a, a priest. But I used to have a card table in our dining room, our living room, you know, and uh, the little corn candy for the host or vanilla wafers or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. And, and I had a uh, an aunt who was a nun who made a tailor, no pun intended, but maybe a little set of vestments, you know. Yeah. But anyhow, that's that's so interesting. So uh, uh, did your uh, Marine grandfather ever encounter uh, Father Emil Capon in uh, Korea? Uh, no. So he... Um my my grandfather didn't talk a whole lot about his his experience um, because uh, I it sounds like he he was in some pretty um, uh, tough situations and so I never really got to to hear a whole lot because he passed away a couple years ago and he uh, 
and near the end he was really suffering from dementia and stuff and so like you could in some of his discussions like he would just kind of get this daze and then he would start almost like reliving some of those experiences and so like he never really got into much details but he would just start sobbing and stuff so he had a he had a really hard time he wasn't catholic at the time either um so he actually converted to catholicism um after the Korea, after his time as a marine while he was uh, studying to be a um a psychiatrist and also during that time he had um after he had finished his doctorate in psychiatry, he uh, he actually was discerning to be a, um, a Capuchin. And really? So, yeah, and then he I can't, I can't remember the exact details, but he he suffered I think like appendicitis or whatever, and he was in the hospital, and that's where he met my grandmother, who was a nurse, and well. It, well, <laughs> so, the, the so rest is history. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he must have married late in life. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it was. I think he was. It was. He was about thirty or so. Thirty or so. So. Um, mm. well, it's but, not all that late, particularly yeah. nowadays. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> back then it was uh, somewhat late. I'm talking to Aaron Donlin, a co-sponsored seminarian, uh, spending a, a year here at the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center. Uh, tell me, how did you come about to work here for a year, and what oh, what kind of yeah. uh, tasks uh, have you been uh, responsible yeah. for? Yeah, so um, one of the things, uh, so I just finished my fourth year of seminary, so I just finished second theology, and um, and so one of the things, uh, it got to, um, near the end of the semester, I, I was really trying to discern I needed some I needed to take some time to just really really pray and focus on this vocation and so um, in consultation with my home diocese of Portland Maine and uh, the Archdiocese for the military services like uh, they I'm doing a pastoral year here and so um, so primarily I'm working in uh, um, I'm working in the vocations office under the vocations director father Matthew Gray um, but Part of it is, uh, so like I'm working there, mainly I'm helping out with like a, a lot of the new developments that we're doing for the Labor Day gathering, um, uh, helping out with the uh, National Conference for Vocation Directors, um, and then just facil- help facilitate with uh, retreats, the discernment retreats that we have for the Archdiocese, and, um, and also um, just really just helping out there and then I've also been bouncing around between um, the tribunal and there's I'll also be working with the evangelization office with the Sikh conference and um, so having uh, the archdiocesan presence at the Sikh conference in January um, but it's just been it's been a great experience so far to work with the staff here and also the priests so it's, it's just been a huge blessing and just a real good ap- reaffirmation of the call that I have towards priesthood. And you mentioned the Labor Day weekend. We should explain for the benefit of our listener who doesn't know, uh, every Labor Day, uh, all of the co-sponsored seminarians worldwide come here to the uh, Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center for a weekend uh, of uh, uh, fellowship and prayer and sightseeing and consultation with Archbishop Broglio. Uh, And... um, so uh, that's coming up uh, here in, a, in a, what next week? A couple, a couple weeks, yeah. <laughs> uh, so and uh, 
Yeah. Now you've just come back from uh, some training uh, for the Navy. Tell me about that. What yeah, the, what absolutely. Kind of- yeah. So I was. Uh, I just got back from uh, Newport, Rhode Island, from the Navy Chaplain School, where I was doing a, a two-week pr- uh, program called CCOC, which is the Chaplain Candidate Orientation Course. Um, so it actually is the last time the Navy's doing the this course because they're they're transitioning into doing a, a little bit more. Um, uh, a much more active role in the formation for chaplains. And so um, this two-week program, uh, basically, I was with 22 other chaplain candidates. Uh, I was with three other Catholics, two seminarians, and a pr- uh, recently ordained priest, Father Darren Balky. Um, and so uh, really the, the premise of the two weeks was really just trying to get an understanding of like what the chaplain corps is, why we have it, and some of the some of the the ministries and the the gifts that we provide to the military and like really one of the probably one of the most beautiful things um, that these uh, that we provide as chaplains is the 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 confidentiality of counseling that the chaplains provide. They're the only people in the, the military that have 100% confidentiality in, that any anybody that comes to them, uh, it's 100% confidentiality. And um, from what I've heard, it, it, it's kind of modeled off of the sacrament of confession in a way. It's like the chaplain doesn't re- can't reveal anything that was discussed. And that provides a great element of trust for some of our, our, our servicemen and women um, who are like whether they're struggling with suicide ideation or um, just like depression or, or really any of the tension that can come in a in a, in a um, high tension environment that is the military and so um, that was just really inspiring and just having some testimonies of some of the chaplains there was just amazing and um, we also did uh, like a uh, a modified, slightly modified, but a Marine Ruck March. So we did that as a group. Um, we, we PT'd together. We, we prayed together. Um, like we would, um, we would rotate in the different denominations. We'd have, um, there would be prayer services every morning. And so there would be like a, you could rotate to the different ones. So I got to see a Jewish morning prayer service. That um, We had an Eastern Orthodox. We had a liturgical prov- uh Protestant or evangelical Protestant service. Um, we had a we had a Muslim imam. It was really fascinating to see the the diversity of that program. But um, but it was also just really exciting to see some of the opportunities that I, God willing, I'll be able to do as a Navy chaplain. The chaplaincy has a long, rich history. It predates the Constitution. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's the it's also the the uh, the medical corps does not like this when we say this, but we're the oldest uh, the chaplain corps is the oldest staff corps in the military, and uh, just like even from when uh, General Washington George Washington took over the Continental Army, he was very explicit in having chaplains to minister to the people, um, and so the well actually in the in the Navy the chaplain corps was very interesting. It was it was very small and restrictive up until about World War One. So up until about World War One, there were only about, there were, under the title of chaplain, there were only about 32 
in the entire Navy. Granted, the Navy didn't really start blowing up until World War I um, with uh, the influence of Theodore Roosevelt. But um, one of the things, there were, there were no Catholic priests as chaplains up until World, till around World War I in the Navy. So one of the so one of the influences why we have the Naval Academy is actually because of chaplains, um, because when um, the so chaplains on ships so a lot of the traditions of the American Navy come from uh, the Royal Navy, mm-hmm. and so um, the tradition of an evening prayer and um, and just like uh, having a chaplain on board was a huge tradition in, in the Navy because, uh, in the Royal Navy, because, well, after all, sailors can be superstitious at times. But, uh, <laughs> um, so there was also another role on the ship that were known as school teachers. And those were actually religious, like religious brothers, like Franciscans, uh, Jesuits, maybe even Dominicans. Um, uh, but they were never classified as chaplains, but their role was to train the midshipmen to, in like classical education, but also the skills that they needed to become good officers and gentlemen. And so um, so the, the chaplains and the school teachers recognized that there was an importance of building an academy because there was West Point that was um, instituted before the Naval Academy, but the, um, they were like, we need to have a Naval Academy where we can train the future officers in the Navy. And there's, such a, there's an importance to that. And so, really, um, the chaplains were very influential in that. Wow, very interesting. I didn't know that. So, uh, the academy has its roots, the Naval Academy has its roots in Catholic education. In a way, I guess. I, I, wouldn't, go, I, I wouldn't go that far. But, uh, but, yeah, but no, there's certainly a, a strong influence, um, there's, at the very least, from chaplains. Um, and, uh, and, like, being uh, one, of the, one of the blessings of being here in in D.C. is actually I'm, I'm helping out with some of the, uh, um, uh, like, being a, a presence at the academy. So on, on weekends, I'm actually helping out at the, the Naval Academy, meeting with the midshipmen and working with the focused missionaries that we have there. So it's just been a, a huge blessing, and, and it's amazing to see the, really, the attention to, like, religious, um, to religion, at the academy, like, because uh, there's always, there's always prayer before meals, um, and also still, it's one of the few branches that still has like the evening prayer services on their ships and stuff. And so it's just like seeing that has just been a, an amazing thing because it recognizes even though we we're we're living in a more uh, in in a post-Christian society where we see more of oh I'm spiritual but not religious, right? But there's still a, a recognition by the Navy that there's an importance to having chaplains and, and a religious presence in the military. And there's a move afoot to expand the chaplaincy, too, uh, to in, include atheists and, what, other belief systems? Have, um, you, have you seen any of that firsthand? No. So, um, so really part of the—so um, really uh, part of the chaplain corps is like—so is— um, so in the Navy Chaplain Corps, we have um, four core competencies. So it's provi- uh, provide, facilitate, care, and advise. 
So the first one is uh, provide. So that so based on your RO, your religious organization, your sponsoring organization, in our case, the Archdiocese for the Military Services, uh, the primary role as a Catholic chaplain is to provide the religious, um, uh, the, the sacraments and stuff as a, as a Catholic priest. And then the next thing is to facilitate to servicemen and women their, their, their particular religious needs as long as it uh, facilitates towards uh, uh, good conduct and um, an order. And so, um, so really like some of the, um, there's, there's really, I haven't, like we were talking about it, we didn't really talk about it a whole lot. Like um, it's like the chapel court can, has like a pluralist um, setting um, because we're trying, we really want to, the chapel court really wants to express uh, religious freedom um, that's promised in the constitution. Um, but it allows, uh, but like for, in terms of like atheist or Wiccan, I haven't really heard a whole lot, but really, really what it comes down to is like any of these, uh, like religious organizations, they have to be endorsed by a governing body, which it's kind of hard to have with either of those two sure. specific groups. And so, um, and the archdiocese for the military services is the endorsing agency for Catholic chaplains. Correct. Uh, you have to come through the AMS mm-hmm. before, uh, the defense department will accept you. That's correct. Yeah. And so, and, and just like with any other chaplain, um, you have to go through that process. You have to be endorsed by an agency that's recognized by the the government. So there's like 200 organizations that are recognized, and so, but, but the, but the emphasis is the exercise of freedom of religion, as 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 it pertains to good order and discipline. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, you have uh, you really have two vocations: a vocation within a vocation, a vocation to be a priest, a vocation to be a military chaplain. Did it ever occur to you that maybe those don't match? I mean, you, you know, you you got the gospel of Jesus teaching peace, and you have the military whose job it is to wage war. How do you reconcile those? Mm. So um, I'd say one of the the things is like with um, like Augustine brought brought out the, his doctrine of just war theory, and so talking about because there is something. There's something to be said about um, you can't be you can't p- be completely pacifist because um, that allows for evil regimes or whatever to um, to overrun you. And so there there is justification. There's such a need as you were saying. There's only 39 Catholic priests in the the Navy right now, and there is there is a such a desperate need for sure. for the spiritual well-being of 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 a, a demographic like I don't see we don't see in Maine as much so like eight uh, like eighty percent of the military is between the ages of eighteen and twenty nine um, that's a demographic that we struggle to see in Maine which is a, a very old it's it has a, a reputation of being a very old diocese uh, or old uh, state and a very anti-religious state as well. Mm. And so, um, 
and so like I love Maine. I love the people of Maine. And uh, but I've also had this burning desire, this love for our servicemen and women. And it's something that I just see is so important because in that t- that age range, 18 to 29, that has a huge impact. Sure. Because they're going to be exposed, especially in the military, they're going to be exposed to some some terrible things. Right. And, and certainly the people we uh, depend on to fight our wars are entitled to uh, spiritual direction, uh, the freedom to exercise religion. Uh, after all, they're uh, confronting life and death, you know, the, the ultimate life questions. Uh, come up in in those settings and uh, certainly one can understand the need for chaplains in the military. In the short time we have left, uh, Aaron Donlin, a co-sponsored seminarian, um, for that uh, young man or young woman uh, who uh, is thinking about consecrated life or uh, vocation to the priesthood, vocation to the chaplaincy, what's your advice uh, as they go about discerning? I would say one of the big things, um, especially if you're feeling that call, pray about it. Like, pray with it and be open to it. Because I think um, we, I, I think, and I think for a while in my undergrad, I was running away from it uh, because it was still very present. Um, but it just kept being thrown into situations where I saw chaplains. Um, and uh, I was very, I was influenced greatly by chaplains and who could just kept asking that question. Have you thought about becoming a priest? Um, and so I think part of it is, is pray and also like, don't worry, like realize it's taken uh, me longer than I, than I care to admit. But like part of it is like recognizing is to just be, just allowed uh God to carry you on his shoulders like recognize um, recognize his that he's got a plan for you and and his plan is greater than anything that we can imagine where'd you go to undergraduate uh, yeah so my undergrad I went uh, so I originally was trying to go to the Naval Academy but I, I had some uh, disqualifications medically so or I filled out a paperwork wrong so <laughs> paperwork filling out paperwork is important but uh um, but no, my undergrad was at Maine Maritime Academy. I commissioned, I actually was a re- uh, commissioned as a merchant marine officer, so strategic sea lift officer um, after I graduated. And then, um, so I did that while I, I did my first year of seminary because I graduated in 2017, December. Um, and then I went to seminary in August of 2018. And what's your undergraduate degree in? Uh, marine systems engineering. Got you. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I went from I went from a, I went from marine engineering to spiritual engineering. It's a little different. <laughs> so you're in your fourth year uh, of seminary. Uh, you'll be ordained a transitional deacon in the spring next year. Uh, in two years. In two years, and yep, then a so year after that, you'll be ordained a priest. Yeah, God willing. Uh, how old are you now? I am t- 28. Wow. Well, you've done an awful lot with your life already. Uh, Aaron Donlin, a uh, co-sponsored seminarian who is in formation to become a Catholic priest and hopefully a U.S. Navy chaplain. Thank you so much for talking to me. All right. Thank you, Taylor. God bless. 
Catholic Military Life is a podcast of the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, erected by Pope St. John Paul II in 1985 to provide for the free exercise of Catholic faith in the U.S. military, VA medical centers, and the government's civilian workforce beyond U.S. borders. 1.8 million American Catholics worldwide depend on the Archdiocese and its endorsed chaplains for pastoral care. For more information, visit millarch.org. The Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, serving those who serve.